Hi everyone, it's Aisa here, and welcome to part one of our Cherita Hantu special in conjunction with Halloween happening on the 31st of October. What you're about to hear today is six real people telling you about their spooky encounters with the unknown, from a near-death experience to house hauntings to an unearthly possession. All six of these individuals swear by the things that they had seen or felt, and I hope you feel a bit of their fear and horror as they tell you their stories. Be sure to tune in to part 2 next week to hear more Malaysian spooky tales. But until then, enjoy. This is a completely true story and it was a first-hand experience for me. And none of what I say is over-exaggerated in any way. So when I was around 7 years old, I lived in what some people might describe as a haunted house. Lots of stuff happened there, namely what almost caused my death. At the time, I lived with my mom, grandma, uncle, two aunties, and two brothers. But the house was pretty small, we only had about three rooms. I was sharing a room with my mom and grandma at the time, and cutting right to the chase, we knew something was off about the house from day one. My whole family heavily believed in ghosts and immediately called a priest to bless the house when, during dinner, the table started rattling out of nowhere. It was way too bad that wasn't enough, though. About a week after that, we had fully moved into the house, and that night, when everyone went to sleep, from the corner of the room, I heard someone yell, You'll die if you stay here. And I was already freaking out and calling for my brother to wake up, but my mom looked at me and pretended like it was her who said that, and, well, at the age of seven, I believed her. The next morning, my brother came to my room, and I still remember the flushed look on his face when he told my mom that in the middle of the night, one of the books that he had left on the floor somehow hit him in the head. And after that, he heard a voice almost screeching for him to get out of their room. My uncle and auntie said the exact same thing two days later. And since then, it had almost become normal for us. Every night, everyone would hear a voice screaming for us to leave the house and giving death threats on some- and on some nights, my brother felt like he was being choked. And despite all that, we still stayed in that house for three years. In the time I spent there, I would frequently see people that my family said no one knew, just sitting around on the floor, curled up in the hallways. And for some reason, I just thought that all houses were like that. To this day, every time I think about the time I thought I saw my auntie pick out, peek out of my room and smile at me in a nearly sinister-looking way, only to find out that my auntie hadn't come home yet. And, well, what I saw wasn't really there. I don't know who I saw, and I don't know who that was. I... Whenever I think about that, I often can't breathe properly, and sometimes I even have to look over my shoulder just to make sure nothing's there. About a year later, I was eight and still living in the same room. I started to have what I was told were nightmares of a tall man who I'd never met before opening the door to my room while holding a knife that was dripping thick red blood. And he would just stand there, and I'd stare at him for hours until I finally woke up. 
I had that dream almost every single night for two years, and every day my mom would just tell me that it was a bad dream and nothing more. Being only between the age of 7 to 10, I, at the time I don't really remember many of the things that happened in the house, but what I do remember is the night that we realized we had to move out. I had dreamt of the tall man opening my room door once more, but this time, for the first time in two years, it was different. He walked into the room. I could feel my heart jump out of my chest. He was walking towards me. I thought if I had just closed my eyes, he might disappear. But he grabbed me by the wrist and started to drag me to the balcony. My mom and my aunt, who were awake at the time, thought I was just joking because they said they didn't see anyone. All they saw was me, somehow sliding across the floor towards the balcony. They only realized something was wrong when they saw the glass door sliding open when they knew I hadn't touched it. I was nearly pushed over the edge of the balcony. My aunt grabbed me in an in and in an instant I saw the man disappear. The very next day, my whole family stayed in a hotel for three days until we moved into the first house we could get our hands on, and we never looked back. My mom remained close to our old next door neighbors, even though we had lived quite far after that. And about two years after moving out of that house, we were told that nearly eight years before we, we started living there, the person who had lived there before us, who had been living alone, was one day found dead with three stab wounds by his chest and in the room I had stayed in for three years. Well, that concludes one of my only encounters with what I think might have been a ghost. Part of me, however, does wonder what would have happened if we stayed there any longer. I'm gonna take you way back when I was in high school. So I was in Asrama Tundote Ismail that time. And ATDI is in KL. And uh, I mean, uh, of course... Hostels being hostels, there's always a haunting story to tell again. So, I, I will try my best to put the image in your mind of how it looks like. So, how it is, is that you, you imagine that um, my room and there's the door, of course, you, you need the door to enter the room. So, next to the door directly is the windows for ventilation. Alright? So, imagine this. The door window on the side and of course windows don't simply just hang on on thin air so there must be a wall lah. my bed is a double decker bed is directly next to the wall with the window the uh, the window pane so um, being a hostel of course we don't have the commodity and luxury of uh, air conditioning lah. so instead of having a ceiling fan we have those oscillating fans so this oscillating fan is directly on top of the door. Alright. So you imagine the door oscillating fan on top. Alright. And my bed is right next, very close by to the oscillating fan and very close by to the window pane. So one fateful night, I was asleep. I'm, I'm, I'm on the uh, second, second level of the double decker bed. So I'm really close to the oscillating fan. I want it to be cool. So in the dead of night, I started to hear clicking noises. So it's like click, 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 click. And I didn't let it bother me for the for, for the first time, but it persists. Now, 
when I start when, when I start to examine the sound of the clicks, not only that there is the clicking sounds, but I realize that I'm not getting the fan anymore because it's an oscillating fan. Now the fan does not oscillate or turn to my side. All right, so I I'm 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 torn. I'm angry at the same time, like pondering lah whether or not this the upper uh, what's happening. So I thought like somebody is pranking me, but the problem is for somebody to be able to prank me and hold on to the oscillating fan, that person or thing must be taller than the door and must be taller than the double-decker double double decker bed. So, in my annoyance slash fear, I still open my eyes just to find out if somebody's pranking me. But that was... A grievous, grievous mistake. Grievous mistake. Because this tall of a thing, I didn't have enough time to have a real good look of it. Good, it's good that I don't have a good look of it. Because I'm still like in the days waking up. But I still remember vividly this tall of a thing. The face is right next to me and the hand or something is holding on to the oscillating fan and I didn't have enough time to react but the next thing I remember was this thing quickly floating away from the oscillating fan and then went out went through the door and then I saw the last glimpse of it or him or whatever like gliding through the corridor outside I was researching something for an assignment in my library's computer lab alone when suddenly my friend Fatima came in, sat next to me and switched on the computer. While waiting for it to boot up, I asked her how she was and she said she wasn't feeling very well and just needed a quiet place to rest. I apologized to her and proceeded to continue my research. A few moments later, I noticed that my friend started to shift in her seat, with her hands on her head as if she was having a headache. She began to shiver and mumble something under her breath. I asked her if she was okay, but she didn't answer. I put my hand on her shoulder, and that was when she turned to leave, but her legs suddenly gave way and she slid to the floor. I rushed to her side and called for help. The librarian on duty heard my cries and rushed in to see what was going on. At this point, Fatima was curled up in the fetal position, still trembling and mumbling something under her breath. We kept calling out her name. Fatima! Fatima, are you okay, Fatima? What is wrong? Tell me. She did, she did not respond, but kept on mumbling. We tried to listen and make out what she was saying, and soon we realized that she was speaking in BM, which was weird because Fatima would normally speak in English. The BM that she spoke was a little bit different. Some of the words were different, as if they were from a different time. The librarian had 
a worried look on her face and told me to stay with Fatima and to not let her out of my sight while she went to get help. A few minutes later, the librarian came back with a few other students and the Ustaza. Quickly, they came in and kneeled around Fatima and the Ustaza stared at her. She asked what happened and I filled her in. Fatima's other friend who came in with the Ustaza asked what was happening as well. Instead of answering, the Ustaza told us to take Fatima's hand and pull them to the side. And whatever we do, don't let go. Scared, we carefully took hold of Fatima's hands and brought them to her side so she was laying flat on her back. The moment we did this, Fatima screamed and fought and shouted at us, scolding us and threatening to kill us if we didn't let her go. The words that came out of her mouth was not hers. Her voice was stolen. Her body was possessed. The Ustaza started to recite something from the Quran and the other students followed. Being a Buddhist, I sil silently recited my own chants, not knowing whether it was helping or not. But I figured, better try something than nothing. After 10 solid minutes of praying, struggling, and holding Fatima down, hearing her screams, cries, and death threats, suddenly, she went limp. Her eyes were closed, but body laid there, seemingly lifeless. We slowly released our grips on her, but we were cautious as we did not know what would happen next. Our prayers and chants got softer, but we were paying close attention in case we needed to hold Fatima down again. Suddenly, her eyes slowly opened, fingers started to twitch and move, you could see that she was waking up. Her eyes traveled to each and every one of us, but said nothing. Ustaza asked where Fatima had been within the last few days, but there was a moment of silence. Until Fatima's friends suddenly blurted out that they had a trip to Malacca last weekend and they had visited some sites. One of which was the Dutch graveyard. The Ustaza nodded and told the Muslim students to help Fatima up and bring her to the surah. With her body weak and still no response from Fatima, I helped them open the computer lab's door and they walked out silently and they left me and the librarian behind. This happened in my room about five to six years ago where it was about 10 o'clock and I was going to bed. I lied down on my bed and I had this uneasy feeling while, uh, while I was lying down in my bed. Uh, but I didn't think anything of it until I heard some noise on my table, something moving, something, something moving on my table and dropping, dropping something. It's like something ran over my table and my stuff fell. Uh, I got up and went to check, but it looked like nothing moved. 
So I thought it was a rat or mouse or something. Uh, tried to logic my way to not believing it was something supernatural. So I went back to bed, and then I played some music. Uh, I listened to my earphones, but the uneasy feeling kept growing. I decided to take off my earphones, and after I took off my earphones and tried going to sleep, after a few minutes. I couldn't move my body. I started feeling uh, more and more uneasiness, and fear started creeping up. And that's when I heard a tick, tick, tick. Something was knocking. At, uh, something was knocking on my window. And that's what that that was when I was freaking out, <laughs> but I couldn't move. All I heard was a tick, 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 and then suddenly. Like something ran across the window, and then repeated again. Tick, 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 and this continued for a while. It would, it would start, and then stop, and then start, and then stop. And at, at this point, I was already sweating bullets, like my I was drenched in sweat because of the fear. And and after a while, I started feeling something on my leg. It was like moving up and down my leg, but I still could could not move at that point. So it would alternate between the sound and the feeling on my leg. I couldn't scream. I couldn't move anything, and I was too afraid to open my eyes. And then suddenly, all the uneasiness went away, and I heard a click. My sister in the in the other room had on the lights, and、uh, that's what maybe scared the ghost away. I don't I don't know if it was in my head, but if it was in my head, I would have heard the click first, and then the uneasiness went away. But I felt the une- uneasiness disappearing before the before the lights turned on. So the ghost must have realized my sister was awake and left before that. Afterwards, I went to the toilet and I spit. And that was blood, my spit. That that event happened for four hours, from ten until two o'clock. So, as you all know、uh, from the previous story, I am that sister who stayed up with my brother the whole night, and I could tell that he was scared. He was shook from the whole experience. Um, I would say. In our house, my brother's room would be the most scariest room of every room in the house, and we have a lot of rooms in the house. This happened years back before this whole experience happened、um, to my brother. So this all happened when I came back from school, and I would say around this time would be around six, six plus. I went upstairs after coming back from school like normal. And it it was dark, so because you know it's around six, it was very dark. I hadn't on my lights yet, and I remember I opened my door, and my brother's door. Our room is connected, so we have a door that connects both of our rooms. And I remember opening his door, and I saw something black that stuck out from his room. It was short. Like a toddler, 
but something a head stuck out from his room but I couldn't see it clearly because it was really dark it was like a shadowed face and it looked at me and I looked at him or her and we just had a a, a stare down and in an instant his room the thing went back in his room and the door slammed and I was shocked I took a while to process what did I just see I thought it was my brother I don't know I was trying to rationalize what I was seeing so what I did was that I went into his room but I used another way another door and I thought it was my brother and I went into the room and no one was there and I went out and then I best thing scenario to do is just to forget about it and not think too much This story isn't particularly unique. I'm sure a lot of Malaysians have gone through it as well. They always say that new developments, like new new developments, some housing area taking up and otherwise used to be forested kind of areas. Um, there's always things left over, right? So this kind of happened in. It wasn't like one major thing. It's just that when my family first moved in to our housing area, um, my dad, who had been reading the same surah every time he solat five times a day, on the first night of trying to pray in that house, he forgot the words, and he kept trying to remember it again and again, and it didn't come. And he had to switch to another surah. And he was like, that's so weird. And the moment that he left the house, he could remember it again. And he was feeling a bit awkward about it. But he just said, okay, no, never mind. It's not major things. And it's always like the little, little things happening around the house. Like how I hated sleeping in my room in the first few nights of, of that new home, right? Because it didn't feel like home yet. So I would sleep on the couch in the living room after hours and hours of playing the PlayStation and just tiring myself out. And the cats would just keep screeching at this one corner of the house. Like there's something there. There's something there that's troubling them. And at the moment and the screech reaches its peak and they just scatter. They just completely scatter. And I remember this one time that I was just like, Guys, what the, what the hell? Why are you guys like screeching so much? It's past midnight. Like I need to go to sleep. And I tossed some pillows uh, towards the cats and like they just scattered and everything. And I closed my eyes and tried to go to sleep. I heard this huge rustling at the living room table. And it's just, when I opened my eyes, and like everything on that table, just the newspapers, my glasses, my phone, everything just got brushed off like immediately. And there were no cuts around. So never knew what that was about. And my sister would wake up every now and then with scratches. And they're not from the cats. They're not from any animal that we've seen. So it all kind of like built up to like this whole thing where there's this one um, evening, I would say one night, um, I was heading towards the kitchen for a glass of water. And the way that my kitchen's built is that from the door, you can immediately see the window. It's like a, a whole row of windows um, in a L-shaped corner. So... Uh, 
I drank my glass of water. I took the mug to the sink, and then I put it in the sink. I looked down and just rinsed it a bit. And when I looked up, there's this woman, if you can call it that. Um, tall, much taller than me. I was, I think, about fourteen, thirteen, fourteen years old. Much taller than me, just with scraggly black hair falling all over its face, covering the eye sockets to where eyes should be. It's just a gaping, two gaping black holes. And um, I would describe her as wearing a white. Robe, but it's almost translucent, where it's like fading in and out of like it. It just appeared like skin, and uh, and she was just bones. She was just like bony, like it's someone took all the muscle out of a person and just left um, the skeletal structure and draped like what would be skin on top of it, and she had her. Fingers on the window, just tapping at it, tapping, like beckoning, almost to let her in. And I just stood there, mouth agape, not entirely sure what I was looking at. And after a few seconds, the hand just goes down to her side. She turns around. She turns, so I can see her profile. And she starts walking, walking past. Was the edge of the house, and then she turns the corner, and I just could. My eyes were transfixed. I couldn't look away. And then she turns around, turns the corner, she disappears, and I just bolted to my room, locked the door, locked the window, you know, drew <laughs> the curtains, and you know, kept the all lights on. The night light, the, <laughs> the the bedroom light, and just put on full covers, and just waited out the night until I couldn't anymore, and I can't remember when I fell asleep. So, um, we had the open house, and my grandmother came, and my mom had a penchant for uh, has a penchant for gardening. And she had these really like fragrant flowers all around, and my my grandma basically said like, "Oh, you're you're planting all these fragrant flowers, and it smells really nice." And my mom's like quite proud, like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it really smells nice, especially in the evenings and everything." So, oh, uh, so, and my grandmother is a little bit of a of a wise woman, I would say, and then she just went like, "Oh, um, well, you know." These fragrant flowers they tend to attract makhluk halus. So my mom was like, oh, "Okay, well, nothing's been happening here." And I just like, "Oh well, as far as you know." <laughs> and my my sister and I just like exchanged looks of like, "No, not really, mom. Things have been happening." And my grandma just went back to Seremban, and on her next trip to visit, she brought like um these. Small plants. I can't remember what it, what those are, but they're flowers. But they had like thorns in them. And my mom, my grandma, just remembering, uh, just reminded my mom and instructed her just plant these around the house a little bit, but don't trim the, don't don't cut the thorns off. 
and the idea being that oh the makhluk halus will they they get attracted to the fragrant flowers but you know they can't get they won't get near the house because like you know the thorns will bite into them and things like that as they walk around so i don't know what's the logic there i mean it's clearly not something for logic anyway and uh the events stop till now Be sure to tune in next week, folks, for more scary stories from real individuals in Malaysia. And I hope that you feel a bit of fear tonight before you go to bed. Because I definitely did when I was editing this episode. Until then, 